Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to the second installment of our mini-series around the H2 Outlook. Yesterday, I spoke to Rajat, who shared his insights into the economic outlook. Today, I want to focus on the outlook for bond markets. To do this, I have asked Abhilash Narayan to talk about the opportunities he believes are available to investors today. Amongst other things, we will discuss why we have increased our allocation to bonds, why developed market high-yield bonds uh, make sense despite the increased risk of a recession, and how China's different stage of the cycle feeds into our view on Asian bonds. Before we start, I wanted to flag that we are having a live webinar on Monday, the 4th of July. Uh, So this event includes a fireside chat between myself and Professor Raghuram Rajan, who's the former IMF Chief Economist and former Reserve Bank of India Governor, where we will discuss key financial imbalances we should be worried about, the regulatory outlook for cryptocurrencies and the future for India and China. You'll also hear from Standard Chartered's CIO office on how you might position your portfolios given the opportunities and risks facing investors into the sec- going into the second half of the year. If you're interested in registering for the event, you can do so at www.sc.com slash GMO, which stands for Global Market Outlook, or just click the link in the description of the podcast. With that, let's get starting about the current bond market environment. So, Abilash. I guess one of the biggest challenges to our asset, sorry, biggest changes of our asset allocation calls um, is the increased allocation to bonds. So can you explain your thinking here and why adding bond exposure makes sense today? Hi, Steve. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, great to join you. So one of the biggest concerns for investors today is the higher risk of, US, of a U.S. recession. And while clearly there is a lot of debate uh, going on about the extent to which equities have priced in a recessionary outlook, What is clear to us is that, in our view, the bond yields are looking increasingly attractive. So if you think about U.S. government bond yields, for instance, we believe that we are past the surge phase that usually occurs in early stages of a rise in yield. Now, if you look at it from a scenario perspective, in a scenario where a recession is avoided, bond returns are likely to be equal to approximately the yield on offer today. Uh, And if a recession does occur, then the return generated by the yield is likely to be bolstered by capital gains as bond prices rise when yields fall and and when central bank cut rate. So in either of the scenarios, the risk reward for bonds has improved relative to equities in our view, and that has led us to upgrade developed market investment grade bonds to a core holding. Okay, so can you give us a sense of where uh, you expect US government bond yields to peak? And and what does this mean for corporate bonds in the investment grade space? Sure. So if we just dive a bit more into the scenarios that I mentioned, right, and let's look at three potential scenarios uh, that that could potentially take place. So in the first scenario, uh, let's assume that the Fed uh, hikes rates as as, as it has guided, and we manage to avoid a recession uh, in the US. If that happens, we believe that markets have priced in most of the rate hikes and yields are likely to trade in a range-bound manner around 3.25%, which is not far from current levels. Now, in the second scenario, if the tighter financial conditions in the U.S. lead to to an economic slowdown, uh, the Fed may end up hiking less than currently expected, and that could lead to lower yields and higher bond prices over the next 12 months. Now, in the third scenario, should the Fed choose to hike rates 
even more aggressively to curb inflation, then clearly uh, the recession risk will cli uh, climb rapidly. So under such a scenario, yields could temporarily move towards 4%, as a, but as a specter of recession looms on the horizon, we think markets will start to price in aggressive rate cuts and yields could move below 3.25% on a 12-month horizon. And that means that government bonds could outperform other asset classes. So in all the three scenarios, we think that the outcome is largely favor favorable for U.S. government bond yields. As far as investment-grade corporate bonds are concerned, we think that the risk-reward is a little less attractive. So credit spreads have increased a bit uh, since the start of the year, but we still think that they have priced in a fairly low degree of recession risk compared to other areas in bonds. Hence, we think that the risk reward for U.S. investment-grade corporate bonds is less attractive as compared to the government bonds or even high-yield bonds. Okay, so that, that's a, a good segue into where I want to go next. So let's look at uh, some of your preferences within bonds. So let's start with developed market high-yield. Um I was talking to Rajat yesterday and he flagged there was a, a rising risk of a recession, right? So, and you alluded that to that risk in your, in your scenarios. Given high yield or junk bonds have a lower credit quality and are associated with increased default risks, how do you square the circle between recession risks and an overweight positioning in high yield bonds? Clearly, the recession risk uh, in US is elevated right now. However, when it comes to developed market high-yield bonds, we believe that corporate fundamentals uh, are starting from a relatively strong base. Now, if you look at the overall leverage ratio for U.S. high-yield bond issuers, that has uh, declined quite uh, sharply over the past year. And their interest coverage ratio right now is higher than what we saw prior to the pandemic. Now, from a technical perspective, U.S. high-yield bond is issuance is the lowest we've seen in the past decade, and it's around 75% lower than what we saw last year. So when we combine the lack of issuance with the recent deleveraging for corporate issuers, it's a fairly positive credit trend in our opinion. Now, from a valuation perspective, credit spreads today are fairly higher than what they were at the start of the year, or even you know before the start of the two previous recessions. And by our estimates, they are pricing in uh, around 5% default rate uh, over the next 12 months. So when we consider the fact that uh, U.S. high-yield bonds are offering yield of close to 9% and the, the fact that they have priced in a fairly large amount of downside risk, especially if the ne next recession is a shallow one, we think the overall risk-reward for developed market high-yield bonds stacks up as attractive relative to other areas within the bond market. Okay, so let's let's move to Asia. So uh, I was also talking to Rajat about the, the 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 view that China is at a different stage of the economic cycle. So I, I know you prefer um, Asian US dollar bonds as well. How important is this economic cycle to that view? Well, that's one of of the key drivers why we like Asian dollar bonds. So you know, if I if I was to distill down the reasons why we like Asian dollar bonds, I would uh, you know highlight five factors. First, as you mentioned, China is in a different stage of the economic cycle and is likely to ease monetary and fiscal policy further. Now, while we would have liked a faster pace of easing in China, the backdrop is still fairly more supportive in China as compared to US and Europe, which face a potential for growth slowdown due to tighter policy. So overall, the macroeconomic backdrop in China is more favorable for Asian dollar bonds. Now, secondly, Asian dollar bonds have a fairly high uh, aggregate credit quality so around 83% of the bonds in the uh, in the Asian dollar bond market are investment grade rated. And in fact, Chinese high yield bonds, which are under stress, account for only 7.5% of the market. So overall, it's, it's fairly good credit quality. 
Now, thirdly, uh, the supply for Asian dollar bonds, especially in the high yield segment, has declined sharply. Now, when we combine this with the fact that the dollar bonds in Asia are offering higher yields in, in most cases than onshore Chinese bonds, we could start to see incremental demand flowing through for Asian dollar bonds once the sentiment stabilizes. Fourth, uh, you know, Asian dollar bonds have outperformed global bonds uh, year to date. And one of the key reasons for that is that they had priced in a fairly elevated amount of default risk in past. So despite the fact that we have seen, you know, a, a few defaults happen in Asia, they still managed to outperform the global bonds. And, you know, we continue to believe that going forward as well, current valuations have priced in a lot of bad news. Uh, and lastly, you know, Asian dollar bonds has been an asset class uh, which has historically been less volatile than most of the other bond markets. And this has played out this year as well. So Asian dollar bonds have delivered a superior risk adjusted return with you know lower volatility uh, being there. So you know when we combine all these factors there, we think that the risk reward for Asian dollar bonds looks fairly attractive. Okay, thanks. Let's stay sort of in the emerging market space. So um, you know, we've previously had a, a pref preferred view on US dollar government bonds, but what's your latest thinking on EM bonds generally? So we have downgraded emerging market dollar government bonds to a core holding, and we also see emerging market local currency bonds as a core holding for the next 12 months. Now, if you look at the head headline yield offered by emerging market, both dollar as well as local currency bonds, it's fairly attractive. But looking ahead, we think that the return prospects are going to be mixed given the divergence between commodity exporters and importers. So when we think about EM, it's an aggregation of a number of different countries, right? And while commodity exporters are likely to benefit from the surge in oil prices above $100 per barrel, we think that the negative impact on the importers could potentially outweigh these benefits to the exporters. Uh, in addition, we see higher food inflation as a potential point of stress, given that on an average, food-related components account for about one-third of EM CPI baskets, which means that uh, EM central banks may be forced to continue hiking rates despite headwinds to economic growth. So net-net, we believe that there is a realistic risk of an uptick in EM default rates, and hence we would rather take exposure to emerging markets through Asia, which is relatively more defensive and has much better macroeconomic backdrop ahead. Thanks, Abhilash, and, and uh, thank you for sharing your insights. And thank you, listener, for joining us today. So uh, tomorrow I will be talking to Fukian Yap to talk about the outlook for equity markets from both a global, regional, and also a sector perspective. Just as a reminder, if you'd like to sign up for our H2 Global Market Outlook webinar, please click the link in the description. In the meantime, I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. and. Take, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.